This is Kicking and Streaming Podcast, a binge watcher's guide to streaming movies, TV series, and stuff. Here are your hosts, Graham and Jocelyn. And hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Kicking and Streaming Podcast. My name is Graham, and with me today, of course, is the absolutely fantastic Jojo. Hello, Jojo over here. <laughs> hello, Graham over there. <laughs> oh, man, man, man. This is going to be a fun week to podcast <laughs> because it's been an incredibly eventful week for us as a podcast, isn't it, Jojo? Oh, yeah, it's been, it's been a joy ride. <laughs> Oh my goodness, um, we have to talk about this, Jojo, don't we? Yeah, I think we probably I do. Mean... <laughs> so, folks, if you if you listen to uh, last episode, to our last episode where we talked about the Oscar nominees and we made our predictions, um, we said some shit, but that's what we do. We are a podcast, we talk about stuff, we talk about what we feel and how we feel about shit. Jojo, who has never been shy of, of telling us how she feels about Andrew Garfield, made a certain pronouncement, Jojo, didn't you? I did, yes. It's been kind of a running gag through the show. So if you're exactly. a regular watcher, you, you weren't surprised. Or a regular <laughs> listener, you weren't surprised either. So, Yeah, I mean, this is, this is what we do. I will talk, we talk smack about certain people. Just for the fuck of it. Right. Again, we we are a podcast and we're not movie critics. We're not, we're not professional movie critics or anything like that. Nope. Not, not actor critics or anything at all like that. No, no, we just banter. No. Yes. Yes, we do. We, we, just, we just banter, right? So we published an excerpt of what Jojo had to say about Andrew Garfield. And I did that on Twitter. I did that on Instagram. On Facebook, on Instagram and on Facebook, no one had anything to say. But Twitter went fucking mad. Twitter went absolutely fucking nuts about what Jocelyn had to say about Andrew Garfield. Yes. And <laughs> I had to tell them to go fuck themselves. As you know, Jojo is only on Instagram, so I'm the one who handles all the Twitter shit. But to be honest with you, we post shit on Twitter all the time, on Twitter all the time, and no one mostly ever had anything to say, except this time. I didn't know there was such a thing called the Andrew Nation. Is that what they call themselves? Sorry, that was rude. I'm very rude. <laughs> Andrew Nation went fucking berserk and decided to start attacking both the podcast and decided to start attacking Jocelyn. And talking a whole bunch of smack about Jocelyn for what she had to say. One, she is entitled to a fucking opinion. And she was just saying that she doesn't like Andrew Garfield, and these were the reasons why she doesn't like Andrew Garfield. Deal with it, motherfuckers. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I never said the guy was untalented. I, I, I just don't like him. I mean, it's, it's as simple as that. I don't like him, and I'm allowed to not like him. Whether you care or not, he doesn't care. He doesn't care that I don't like him. He could give, you know, he's back in his mansion somewhere in England or Hollywood, and he does not care. And the thing is, he doesn't care that you care. That's the thing. Andrew Garfield, listen to me, Twitter, Twitter people. Andrew Garfield does not give a shit about how hurt you are. 
that Jocelyn said that she didn't like him. Yeah. So again, I, I am, in a, and this is going to go on Twitter the next week. I have to tell you this. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> go self fornicate, you bunch of assholes. Yeah. Because this is bullshit. <laughs> you know. And then this one is going to, the one told me, maybe you should curse out your potential uh, listeners. I'm like, I've already determined that you are not worth my time as a listener. Again, kindly go fuck yourself. I had to say kindly in this case, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But that was the rant, Jojo. And I'm sorry you had to see all of this. And like, I kind of thought about it after I shared the, the thread with you. Because truthfully, you didn't need to see that, to be honest with you. But... It's just that I needed I needed someone to help me scream, <laughs> you know. So 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 I'm sorry I had to, I, I I shared that which I shouldn't have. Oh, I but definitely shouldn't have. Okay, I you know I I'm not gonna you know lie and say it didn't bother me on some levels because I was like. This is clearly a joke, and obviously, clearly, I, I'm well aware I'm nobody, and uh, calling me, like, adoles- adolescent and petty is just really funny to me, because I, it's... It, Coming from the people who are defending an actor they don't know, right. and they will probably never, ever meet. Right, right, and, you know, I'm never going to meet him either, and I don't wish him, wish him any ill whatsoever. I don't like him. I don't like Tom Cruise either. I don't like Sandra Bullock. I don't like, uh, there's a whole list of actors I could list for you that I don't like that some of them I have reasons for, some of them I don't. So, I mean, seriously, come on, grow the fuck up. (laughs) But yeah, I I mean, I'm not going to lie that it made me feel, made me feel good or anything, but I just, I also am confused by people thinking it was some kind of a marketing ploy or something. I'm like, y'all are no, that's just, it was just one of our silly little bantery rants that we do for a laugh. So sorry that you got butthurt over it. I'm not sorry. That's the thing. I'm not. Yeah. Listen, we've been, we've been kicking and streaming for almost three years, right, Jojo? In February, yep. I think it was going to be three years yep. uh, doing this podcast. And we love what we do. And we love the people that have supported us from the very beginning. We love to get new listeners. But to be honest with you, I think podcasting is our thing because it's our thing. It's like, you know, I think the, the, the key ingredient to our friendship, to how we feel about each other. And it's a bond that I have with you that I don't have with anybody else and I don't wish to have with anyone else. And if I knew that only two people listen to this podcast every week, as long as I get to do this with you, I'm happy. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. So the whole idea yeah. that that this whole thing was to get listeners and shit, this is coming from people who don't know us and who don't know what we're all about. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah. No. You know, we we do this because we're friends. We don't do this for anybody <laughs> other than us. <laughs> Yeah, but <laughs> you know, you're my brother from another mother. So, does it like we did this throughout the pandemic, where we were getting less than twenty listens a week, and we did it week in and week out. Mm-hmm. But like, this is not 
This is not a question of who's listening and and none of that. We love that we have listeners around around the world. We love that we're getting the downloads and things. But again, it's our own labor of love, if you will. Yeah. And like you said, you're my sister from another mother, and no one can come after you. And if they come after you, I do have time, and I will always tell them to go fuck themselves. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> Oh, good, good. <laughs> On to this week's affair. Jojo, what have you been watching this week before we get into the business? Ah, uh, shit. Peacemaker. I have been watching Peacemaker. It was the finale of the season, and I have to say it's one of my favorite shows of this year so far. <laughs> Really? Yeah, yeah. It's it's now. This is from somebody who hasn't seen Suicide Squad. Wow, can't talk today. Sorry about that. From somebody <laughs> who hasn't seen Suicide Squad, the James Gunn directed one. I did see the other Abomination, but this. Uh, so this is based on on the story of Peacemaker, and it's fucking hilarious, man. It's crude. It's nasty. It's it's just it's delightful. You know, it's just delightful. It, I don't know of a series that I've laughed so much at that also makes you want to cry sometimes. And there, really? there is legitimately a scene in uh, the next to the last episode that I was practically in tears over because of uh, <laughs> the having a narcissist for a parent and uh, how, how they're able to make it all about themselves. And it's never going to be their fault and it's always going to be yours. And he does some peacemaker does something that I was just I wanted to like jump up and down for joy over. Which when you see it, you're gonna think I'm a psychopath, and that's okay because maybe I am. <laughs> the story of my life. <laughs> oh yes, we love those. We do love those. <laughs> Has a very satisfying ending too. And uh, how many how many episodes are there? It is. Excuse me, one moment. I have a spider. Sorry about that. You're a spider. A spider, yeah. Spider wanted to be on on the show. Hello, spider. Yeah, Maybe no, it's an Andrew Garfield happening. fan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna okay, make you radioactive. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, but yes, You're... it has a very satisfying ending, and it uh, is been renewed for season two. So. And how many episodes we're we talking about? I think it's eight. It's eight. It's either eight or nine. Either eight or nine. Beautiful. Yeah. And they're each less than I, an hour. I almost started watching it. And uh, I realized that the episodes were coming weekly on a weekly basis yeah. and thing. And I'm like, yeah, I'll wait for it to finish. But my son has been uh, talking about it a lot, you know. And um, he was like, you have to watch Archive something. Archive 81, is that? Is uh, yeah. Archive 81. Yeah. And then you have to watch... Uh, Peacemaker, and I'm like, okay, dude, whatever. Now that Jojo says that, now I'm gonna have to do something about it, you know, because <laughs> Jojo said. <laughs> what have you been watching, Graham? So this week I watched, I found a little show on Britbox and decided, what the hell? I'm gonna give it a go because. It's one of those shows I, I don't even know if it if it's coming back for a second season. But the one season, it's a bloody mess and I kinda liked it. <laughs> <laughs> the, 
That's the only way I can describe it. It's called uh, Hope Street. Hope Street, okay. And it is... Uh, actress uh, Amara Karen is the protagonist, and she is a detective constable from Nottingham who is sent sort of like to hide, but not to hide, uh, to a small town in Ireland, in Northern Ireland. And the small town town is called Port Divine. And the reason why she was sent there is because she was an undercover officer who sort of like busted a gun, a gang of arms dealers. And she has to give testimony against them. But in the meantime, she has to hide because they can obviously put a hit on her. Yeah. And that small town is, uh, in, in Ireland, in Northern Ireland, is a Protestant small town with very few Catholics. And she is the very first ever Muslim in the police squad. Okay. And uh, the police squad is made up of like three people. Gotcha. Because <laughs> it's a really small really, town. Really, really small town, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only bed and breakfast in town belongs to the police inspector's mom. (laughs) (laughs) The police sergeant is the stepdaughter of the town's uh, minister and so forth. So basically everybody knows everybody, everybody's in everybody's business. And of course, she's brown-skinned and Muslim. What brings you to Port Divine is the question everybody wants to ask and is what everybody's trying to find out. Okay. So there's more to the story. It's an entire season, like I said, it's nine episodes, and it actually is very good, but there's an air of um, soap opera to it. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> more than a detective show, is there's, there's an air of soap opera to it, <laughs> you know, a lot of, like, falling in love and whatever. It's really crazy, and I fucking liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. And I like, when it ended, I was like, the first episode, the first season came out in 2020. So I was like, so what's the second season? But apparently, you know, things have been delayed for because of COVID. Mm -hmm. So we don't, I don't know. I read that they are coming up with a second season. The show was picked up for a second season, but there's not even words whether or not filming is on the way or anything like that. I just know that it's a messy little show, and I liked it. Hope Street, right? Hope Street. How many is episodes? Nine episodes. In this, do you know how I feel about Death in Paradise? Yes, yes. I felt the same way about Hope Street for some reason. Like those small communities and she, like everybody knows everybody. There's no formality to anything, you know. <laughs> but... Add to that the air of soap opera and a lot of mushy kisses and shit. It's just crazy. <laughs> no mushy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So let's talk about um, the business at hand. This week we are watching and discussing Inventing Anna. Inventing Anna is not a new. Well, it's it's a new. It's a Netflix show, but we have by now, all heard about the story of Anna Sorokin. Mm-hmm. And 
I have to start by saying, Jojo, I mean, this is a show produced and written by Shonda Rhimes. What do you think? I actually kind of want to hear your opinion on this one first. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I want to hear your opinion first. <laughs> <laughs> I got a little taste of it before uh, the the listening audience did, so I, I want to I want to hear I want to hear the rest. So I was watching the show with my wife, and and she kept asking, "But how did she get so far? How did she get to fool so many people?" And every time, people would literally find a reason to to justify the lack of background and information about her and just taking a leap of faith for her. And originally, I started asking myself that same question. Why have so many people fallen for her? And I couldn't help but think. The story of Anna Sorokin is an authentically the American dream of the white immigrant. There is no immigrant status for a white person in America. You can buy your white card as soon as you get here, even before you drop the accent, even before you bring on your next generation. And Anna Sorokin did that masterfully because if you know the right things to say and you can concoct a great story of self-madeism, America will fucking buy it, swallow it, and savor it. And that's exactly what the whole idea of if I can make it there, I can make it anywhere, especially in New York. There's a reason why her story didn't start in LA. There's a reason why her story started in New York. So <laughs> I'll be going more in, in detail, but picture this. If Anna Sorkin arrived in America as Foloshade Akinbewe, the daughter of a Nigerian oil magnate, everybody would want to know where she comes from, whether the father checks out, whether there is a father, whether there is oil, whether it is possible that she can be a black heiress from Africa. No one bothered to find out anything about uh, Anna Sorokin. They bought every time she came up with a new story. They bought it. The reason she was able to get there, whiteness. That's it for me. I think that's the end of the show right there. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it makes me mad because if you if you come into this show for the first time, if you've just discovered kicking and streaming, you would think, oh, there goes another one making it all about race. That that's that's not true. <laughs> but I have to remind you if you don't know, that America is obsessed with race. Mm -hmm. America is obsessed with race. Mm -hmm. And I kept going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And still she is around selling a story. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I'll stop talking now, Jojo. <laughs> Talk to me. 
Well, I remember reading an article a while back about ICE and so many uh, Hispanic immigrants being, you know, rounded up essentially like cattle and sent back over the border. And this article was about Canadians and the fact that if you're white and you're have a Canadian accent, which some people don't even pick up on, that you're you're good to go. Like you can be in this country for as long as you want to. Nobody's ever going to stop you and ask you for your papers because you're a white Canadian. And I found that really interesting because one, I never thought of Canadians as wanting to come here, but it also was was kind of an eye opener for me as I'm not going to say that I was naive to the fact that brown-skinned and dark-skinned people would be picked on more than a white person. But I I just really never thought about the fact that, yes, there are lots of illegal Canadians here, just as an example. I feel like if you have, I think, too, the accent makes a difference, too. One of the areas I used to live in, there was a lot of Polish immigrants who would come in just for the summer to work. And the border control or whatever they're they're called and my thought escapes me you know they knew to listen for that accent when it was past the certain time of visas and they would be like oh okay that's this is somebody we've got to look at their at their papers essentially Mm -hmm. so i i think too that you know if that anna's accent helped her a lot in the fact that she sounded very posh if you will Right. And I think that played into the the race as well. I think that that played in, in with the color of her skin. So she had the right color skin. She had the right kind of accent. She, you know, she, she knew, she knew what she was doing. Oh yeah. She's, oh, yeah. she's, she's a very smart person and she knew how to play these people's sense of uh, classism and sense of, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, she knew she knew the ones that would be embarrassed to bring anything against her for the most part. And she, she knew how to work the system. And she understood that there are people who would, you know, rather die than admit that they spent time with with her. Or, you know, there's a scene with the mother and her son in the restaurant. And she's like, we we have to do something about this. And she, it was in the papers. And we he's like, we never knew her. We never knew her. It was just... I I don't understand that world because I never grew up in that world. I've never been affiliated with that world, thank God. But <laughs> the most I ever did was clean for the richest man in in one town, and that made me hate rich rich people. So anyway, but it did make me kind of aware of the fact that there's a line in one of the episodes where a girl was pretty much like one of the the. Uh, characters was was pretty much like you know everybody has a hustle everybody wants something from somebody else i'll respect you more if you just drop the facade and tell me what you want and that took me aback because i'm I guess i am naive because i was like i've never viewed the world from that cynical of a view i know that there are absolutely people who only want something from you of course but the idea that any like any kind of kindness or a smile from somebody to her was somebody that just wanted something from her. And that was sort of horrifying to me that that is a world that exists, that there are people that live in that world, that any little bit of kindness means I want, I want you to scratch my back and then I'm going to stab you in the back. Yeah. I mean, this was the most New York thing anybody 
could ever say. <laughs> what you just said. And, and the reason I say that is because I kind of married to a New Yorker. And I find myself a lot of times saying, Chris, seriously, <laughs> this is just another person. Like, why do you have to always go for the worst? Do you know what I mean? But that's in, in the New Yorker's DNA. They assume the worst of everybody that they don't know until they know you. And even when they know you, eh, they're still watching out for you. <laughs> You know, <laughs> and so and so the whole idea that yes, just come out and tell me, be blunt and tell me, and maybe I will let you fool me. But if you're trying to make me look like an idiot, yeah, you know, respect my intelligence. It's not going to work. You know, if you're going to if you are going to try to insult my intelligence, it's not going to work. The thing is that Anna knew how to do it. Anna knew exactly. Uh, how to go about <laughs> here's the crazy thing she didn't go about it with adulation she <laughs> she made you feel a need to know her better in the meantime she's keeping you at bay mm -hmm. she wasn't trying to gain your trust you know that that sendoffishness of her was what sort of like attracted people to her in that what is this girl about i need to know right, right. i have to find out what is the deal with her and the more the more you try to find out the more involved you got yeah yeah that makes sense because it, it was like she was kind of the opposite i suppose of what everyone was used to and that i don't need you and i don't need you to be my friend and then everybody's like oh i want to be your friend <laughs> Right, right. It, to her, with her, it was like, you have to do this. Like, you're going to go ahead and do this. Not, not do this for me, please, or whatever. She was, she was commanding in pretty much everything, even when she's the one who needed you. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and when she finally would come out and beg, she would do it from a perspective of, you know, I'm coming to you as a friend, which is why her best line was always, I thought you were my friend. That's why everybody had this problem in thinking that they were failing to be her friend. Even when she had already fucked them up to the max, everybody thought, I've failed her as a friend. I, I have not been there for her. Yeah. And, uh, I'm telling you, this is the most fascinating but most American story than anything else. The story that she concocts, for instance, is I'm rich. I sort of depend on my father's money. But at the same time, I'm out to show that I don't need my father's money. Mm -hmm. She knew that would bring the admiration of every American she met. Because in a sense... She's every American billionaire. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I I just need this, you know. My father gave me a small loan of $2 million. Exactly. And I am now a billionaire. So exactly. you pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it was it was like when she was here's the crazy thing. Anna Sorkin played all the Trump's card and ended in prison. Yes. 
Except Trump ended up being president of the United States. <laughs> well, I have I have something to say about that, but yeah, I don't think you're finished with your thoughts. So go ahead. No, but the reason I compare the two, it's 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 the same level of narcissism, and it's the same technique of making everybody around me want to please me. Mm-hmm. Even. I mean, think about the people that she was able to fool. People that are twice, thrice her age. Mm-hmm. She got them wrapped by the balls if they had mm-hmm. to. And that's that's a completely different skill to make people want to be around you, to make people want to be associated with you, even when you don't have anything to show for it. But you make those who would even think about removing themselves from you, you make them feel like they are going to miss out on something. Gary, on go on now. <laughs> well, there, the difference that I see, and uh, this is where uh, we're going to get some butthurt, folks. The difference that I see is that Donald Trump is a man. And he's a white man, but he's a man. And there have been... A lot of white men who have done some similar things and are continuing to do some similar things that Anna has done that, well, one case that we can take that's almost exactly the same is it happened in the 1960s. There was a movie made about it in 2002 about Frank Abagnale. And Frank Abagnale is, if you've not watched the movie, it's a great movie, by the way, very factual Leonardo DiCaprio, Tom Hanks. Frank Abagnale is someone who he did one of the greatest cons in the history of America. He conned an FBI agent into thinking that he was another FBI agent when they came to arrest him. That's how good he was. This wasn't some green FBI agent. This was a guy that had been after him for a really long time, and he yeah. still managed to to con him into that. And that's 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 true. From everything I've read, that's completely true. Yes. He flew, you know, he he got first class service everywhere he went. He he yeah. was brilliant at this, and his story has been nothing but romanticized. And you know the movie itself, Catch Me If You Can, is just glowing homage to this man who conned people and went to prison for it. Here's the difference: he works for the FBI. He worked for the FBI while he was in prison. He works for them now. So you could argue that it all worked out for him in the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely right. So uh, when I was reading about Inventing Anna online, there are some incredibly misogynistic and sexist remarks about this movie and about Anna that have absolutely nothing to do with what she actually did, which I'm not excusing, but have absolutely nothing to do with what she did, but about the fact that she was a woman who was able to do it. A woman that was so young that was able to do it. There's also a lot of misogynistic comments about the reporter uh, who is uh, renamed and her character has changed, right. changed a little bit. But there's people online and actual reviews talking about how could she abandon her child for her career <laughs> to follow this story. Motherfucker, she's a journalist. Yeah. I yeah. mean, 
really seriously, yeah. come on, you, you can't be both. You can't have a job and be a journalist. Too. I mean, you can't have a job and be a mother too. have a child and have a journalism career. All right. Great. That's that's wonderful. I feel like I just rolled into the 1950s. I mean, it would make more sense if we were talking about the time that Frank Abagnale pulled all of his stunts. But no, we're talking about 2022. One of the top results, if you search for this online, is how the Inventing Anna cast looks compared to yeah. their real life counterparts. Yes. That's one of your, yes. that's, that's, that's what we're taking away from it. What they yes. look like, not what was done, not how smart she was, not all the horrible things she did. No, we're we're going to talk about what they look like. Seriously, fuck me, <laughs> Jojo. Jojo, you have you have put your finger on the pattern that was going to be my next, the next thing that I was going to explore, and the reason I was going to explore this is because. I found myself two nights ago saying that to Christine while we watched The Eyes of Tammy Faye. As, as you may remember, I talked about 12 Oscar-nominated movies that I wanted to watch. Yes. And two nights ago, I watched The Eyes of Tammy Faye. And there's a montage within that movie where when Jim Baker actually fucks up royally and he should be the butt of every single joke in America for being the pastor, uh, the televangelist who failed and was caught in a scandal and shit. There is a montage of every single nightly shows making fun of Tammy Faye's makeup. Every yeah. Saturday Night Live, yep. Jay Leno, yep. everybody. Everybody picking on Tammy Faye. Yep. When the one in the news is Jim Baker. The one who... who for his actions. Yes. Yeah, Jim Baker's the one who, who fucked up, but we're going to talk about somebody's eyelashes. Let's talk about his wife. Yeah. And it's the, it's the same thing. As long as there is a woman to vilify, men will never go down in history as the assholes that they are. No. no. Bill Clinton cheats. And it's Hillary Swank. The Clinton cheats. <laughs> People hate Monica Lewinsky and fucking hate, hate Hillary more than Monica Lewinsky. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Epstein is a fucking sex predator, but look who's on trial for it. Yeah. Ghislaine Maxwell. All because she just hasn't killed herself. <laughs> if they're killing themselves. Yeah, well, then there's that. <laughs> you know. By the way, by the way, today, Saturday, we are recording the show. Another associate of Epstein was found dead in his cell. Oh, well, yeah. I hope Miss Maxwell has a gun in prison. I'm not, a I'm, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. You guys know that I hate conspiracy theories. But now I'm starting to think somebody don't want these motherfuckers talking. Yeah, this is that that story is. Bigger, I think, than any of us are, are ever going to know about in our lifetimes. And uh, there's a lot of people that have done some pretty horrible things that we probably might look up to. Yeah. 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 So so you, you are absolutely right about Anna Sorkin was caught. Anna Sorkin. I mean, think about Bernie Madoff. Mm-hmm. How many years did Bernie Madoff 
get away with his Ponzi scheme. Mm -hmm. And how how long how large was that? I mean, with with Anna, she God. she was it was two hundred and seventy five thousand dollars ultimately, which I mean, to a billionaire is is a sneeze practically. A drop in the bucket, right? I would love to know that if she had been a white male with the same accent, if anything would have happened at all, or if yeah. it would have been Frank Abagnale all over again, and he, it would have gone on for years before the FBI, when he finally did something, she finally did something big enough for them to go, maybe we should look into this. Maybe this isn't quite right. Just like Madoff, years and years and years and years. So it is a it is a fascinating story because it's it's not um, it's it it shouldn't be plausible it shouldn't be possible anywhere and I don't think in any major European city her story would have you know would have taken place because you know um, these people they 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 do their due diligence and they tend to be careful around around folks you know. Especially if you show up flashing a lot of money, <laughs> you know. <laughs> the, the problem is, Jojo, um, this is what, so I think about it a couple of ways. If Ana Delvi had shown up with the name Ana del Castillo and said that she was a Latin American heiress, um, most likely, somebody would have thought she probably is linked to a drug cartel. Let's do a background check. Mm -hmm. Simple as that. If she was, uh, she showed up and said, she, you know, with a melanated skin and said, I'm a, an African heiress, <clears throat> my father's mega rich and ultra rich, even if she had the money to show for it, somebody would have said, Let's do a background check. Plus, don't forget she's black. <laughs> Sad but true. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, so the fact that and you 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 talked about Canadian immigrants. If you are an immigrant in this country, and whether or not you have an accent, depending on how you present yourself and how willingly you want to mesh into the into American society. I mean, putting the, the Star Spangled Banner in your front porch and being all celebrating American, you, 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 you're one of us in, in less than five years. That is as simple as that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the, the only perpetual uh, foreigners, perpetual immigrants in this country are Asians, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, They've been around in the United States since the whole, what you call it, mining. Yeah, the early 1800s. Yeah, you know, and they helped build the railroad and and the uh, what is it, 1870 something with the gold rush in California. The gold rush. And yeah, you know. so yeah. That <laughs> but yeah, they're still asking. They're still being asked. You know, where are your people from? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, black people have been in this country for almost 450 years, and there, there's still some neighborhoods that you, you can't even walk around. Even even if you live there, you have to be careful the way you walk around. 
what you're wearing, yeah, how fast you're walking. God forbid if you wear a hoodie. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's just it's just it's just crazy. It, it it is just crazy. So they talk about like, well, this series glorifies Anna Delvey. And I don't think telling the truth about her uh, glorifies her at all. No, I, I, I agree with you. I, I didn't understand. I read a review that was like, oh, she's a feminist icon now. They're making her out to be a feminist icon and good for not, I mean, it was a scathing review. They hated the whole thing. They hated the idea of her being used as a feminist icon. And I'm like, that is not what I got out of this. We did not watch the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I really did not. I, it was a, a male person who, who wrote this article and he, 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 he saw a whole lot of stuff that I'm like, I, I think you're being, um, I don't know what the word is, but a little thin skinned, perhaps a little, a little fragile masculinity going right. on there. Right. So yeah, I, I don't understand that. And I, I don't, I don't know where the, the hate for that is coming from in terms of the critics, because I, and I'm going to go back to this and I'm going to always say this is the fact that, well, this, this was produced by a woman. This was produced by a woman of color. This was about a woman and media and critics love is, and as you've often said, if there's a woman to blame, we're going to blame the woman. So I just, uh, yeah, I, I, I do think that there is a lot of misogyny and sexism that's going on in the criticism with this that has absolutely nothing to do with the story or the cast at all. It's just, Oh, you're trying to make this woman an icon, and 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 the the particular hatred that's been spewed towards the character of the journalist, who is an yes. amalgam of a, a few different people too, right. is just is just stupid. So, but like, there those are the same people who adore the movie The Wolf of Wall Street. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. Wolf of Wall Street, and you know, we talked earlier about Catch Me If You Can. So yeah. you know, if it's if it's a white dude doing it, then it's awesome. It's perfectly fine. It's but iconic. if a woman does it, you know, yeah, you know, if I I will always say, if Martha Stewart had been a man, she never ever in a million years would have gone to jail. Oh, hell never no. would have gotten to that point. Hell and no. I I honestly think that if this, so if Anna was was Andrew. Yeah. I, I, even if this had gone to the courts, I don't think it would have been the sensation that it currently is. No, and the only reason it is what it is right now is because she literally embarrassed a lot of people who think, who have sold this image within Wall Street and within the elite that they are the savvy business people over here. Right. Do you know what I mean? And right. this 20 something years old, just, just, just comes in, barging through their world, sold him this great absolute illusion, mm-hmm. and was so convincing that they never thought we need to check this out. Right? Did let's, you know what I mean? Let's, let's do a little more digging. Yeah. What is like that family money she keeps talking about? Right? Yeah. Right. Okay. Can we get some like? bank account notes on that or something like can can I talk to somebody at a bank that I know is at the bank <laughs> I get thinking for instance this dude uh, Alan Reed right he has all of these phone calls with Peter Henneke 
And at no point did he say, you know what, Mr. Henneke, I'd like to arrange for you to come here to New York City. Have a sit down with me and Anna. And so that you can report back to the family what she's doing, what she plans on doing. So at least they know what this trust fund money is is getting her here. Yeah. Or how about, you know, before we do anything else, I'd like to see where Anna comes from. Yeah. I'm going to fly into Germany and uh, I just want to meet with her father for half an hour. Yep. That, uh, that is, for me, like, that should be a logical step to take. Yeah. And, and when Peter Henneke kept saying, I'm wiring this tomorrow, I'm mailing that tomorrow, and it's not happening, hey, listen, man, here's what we're going to do. Maybe we should not be trusting technology so much. Here's what we're going to do. I am going to fly into Germany. Have these things prepared for me. I'm going to fly into Germany, and we're going to do a person-to-person -person thing. You give me all of this, and then I'll fly back to New York and get things settled because this is kind of getting out of hand, isn't it? Yeah, Instead yeah of, exactly. Yeah, I did it. I don't know what happened, blah, 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 blah. It's not that <laughs> difficult. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but none of that happened. None of that happened. No. And so, yes, it was embarrassing for all of these motherfuckers to have fallen for her tricks. And yeah. that's why they wanted retribution. And yeah. that's why even people who are 20,000 degrees separated from this whole thing are so furious about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Simple. I, I just, I honestly think in my own personal opinion of the way the world is is screwed up but if she'd been a white dude she'd have a job making six seven figures a year right now <laughs> they would be like you know what your 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 chutzpah and your balls are amazing and you're yeah. so smart we want you working for us yeah. you almost conned us out of all this money you must be super smart you're going to come work for us honestly yeah. that's what i think let's I really do. make you the person who interviews anyone who comes here yeah, so we can, so we, so you can be like, you can, you know, the questions to ask, yes. right? Yes. You know, you, you're going to recognize a fellow con person, so yeah. let's let's put you in that role. But yeah. I, since she, you know, it was a white female that got her as far as it did, but then when it got to the point where it was all falling apart, instead of it turning into okay, let's see how we can make this benefit us, it was let's throw her under the bus. Yeah, yeah, that's well, just my opinion. But no, you're absolutely right. You are absolutely right. She got as far as she could get for a white female. Had she been a white dude, she would have probably gotten the money, started the foundation, and con more people. In 30 uh, years, she'd be president. Yeah, he'd, yeah. He'd... <laughs> Most likely. In 30 years, she would have told you that she was born in Des Moines, Iowa, and, and run for president and easily mm -hmm. fucking... Like, come on. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. seriously... Well, we're just saying, we're just saying that is what the Trumps have done their entire lives. Yeah. Yet in the history books of this country, kids will always going to, always going to have to learn about a certain president for at least four years named Donald J. Trump. And he was, is a master con man. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Not absolutely. As, not as brilliant as Anna Delvey, but he's a man. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Oh, Lord. 
But let's talk about the power of this girl in terms of her ability to make people believe her and follow her. Because that, to me, is a whole different type of set skills to begin with. Yeah, that's that's a level of peopling that I will never attain to and don't want to. I, 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 I'm in awe of people that can do that. I've, you know, there's people that can do it and they use it for good. I'm going to use Mr. Rogers as an example, but his was a very humble, small piece of the world that he, you know, I mean, he was on television and everything like that, but he wasn't trying to be a billionaire. <laughs> right, right. Right. You know, he, he was trying to do good in his corner of Pittsburgh. So, I mean, there's, there's that. And then you have the people that, that use whatever that ability is and turn it towards their own profit, their own gains, which is what it seems to happen more often than it does for good, which is a shame for the world. But I don't understand how I don't understand that. I don't have it. I never will have it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm, I'm never going to be a cult leader. There's never going to be a church of Jojo where, you know, everybody's <laughs> following me around and white robes or some such shit. But, you know, I, I, I am fascinated by the people who have that power though. Cause I, I don't know where it comes from. I don't know if it's The the problem the problem I have with with how people fell for her is that she consistently screamed at these people the fact that I don't need you and I don't value your opinion, I don't value your help in any way, shape, or form. You are just a thing that I am going to use for as long as I need you, and then you you nothing to me. So she wasn't she wasn't somebody who was who ingratiated herself with, with anyone, to be honest with you. It was just, yeah. I'm just going to rip you off, but yet you're still going to follow me around. Like, that is mind-blowing, mind-boggling, you know. It, it kind of makes me think of the the pickup artist, which was a long time ago, but the the it was a TV show and a book about a guy, or a guy produced, wrote about, picking up women and the way to pick up women is to treat them like crap. Essentially there's the whole art of nagging being negative towards somebody and that would attract them to you. And apparently for a while that worked, whatever, but it makes me think of that. And I, I, I do wonder if some of these billionaires have so many yes people in their lives, you know, somebody people, so many people saying, you know, oh, you're the most important thing yeah. to me. Oh, your, 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 uh, your opinion of me is the most important thing that will ever happen, you know, that kind of thing. And then to have somebody being like, eh, fuck you, I don't need you is right. enticing. Right. I don't know. That's the only thing I can imagine. Yeah, it's it kind of similar to the dynamic between Trump and Putin. Yes. <laughs> you know, everybody thought, for instance, well, in order to get somewhere with Trump, we have to be to adulate him. And it it worked just for a minute. And then as soon as that happens, Trump thinks, well, I, I own you because you think I'm the greatest. Mm-hmm. Whereas Putin always treated him like, yeah, man, fuck you, whatever. I mean, you're all right. You know, are we yeah. friends? We're, we're friends, right? Like, yeah, it's not like it's important to me, but yeah, we're friends. 
you know, if you want to call me a friend, you, you, you know, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I won't bust your ass, but <laughs> yeah. And, and that's exactly, that was exactly Putin's attitude, to, uh, attitude towards Trump. It's just like, eh, yeah. All right. Whatever you say, man. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't ever like, no, you know, you are the greatest thing for America. Except, well, I think it's a good thing that you're the president of America. Yeah, that's 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 good for you. Good for you. <laughs> you know, and, right. and, and I guess Trump was like, what is it with this dude? <laughs> right? He's not kissing my ass. I yeah. must get his approval. <laughs> and that is that is it, you know. But but to me that was that was fascinating. And I don't know in how much, you know, the writing of Shonda Rhimes may have exacerbated or aggrandized the this part of the of her personality. But I tend to think that in order for her to have done what she did, she must have been that way. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. What I have read about it has you know, I haven't read everything because I'm just one person. <laughs> I don't have a research team. But what I have read is that there are people <laughs> the people who were maybe not made to look the best in this are upset about the way it's told. And then there's people who aren't in it at all, who are pretty much like, yeah, that that's how it was. Yeah. And, and then there's people who are, were included in the story, but either changed so much you don't recognize them or they're just sort of neutral parties. And those people are like, yeah, that's, that's pretty much how it went down. It really was that nuts. And that's really how she was. So, you know, I kind of tend to believe the people who really weren't involved in it per se, than the ones who are, who have an image to worry about. An agenda, yeah. 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 You're, You're absolutely right. I mean, a lot of people are looking for redemption basically in the way the story is told as opposed to this is what happened. And when we have the power to tell the story ourselves, we do that. But when we are at the mercy of, of, of another storyteller, we tend to want to want to control what they say about us in the way that they say. And if if it doesn't happen, then we're never going to be happy about the story. Uh, yeah. you know, fake news, right? <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but let's just segue into the the cast here. Mm-hmm. Julia Garner from Ozark played Anna Delvey. I am satisfied with her representation, but I'm not entirely convinced. Okay. So I think the acting was fantastic. I think she created the character well enough. I think she did the right accent because Anna Delvey spoke with an accent that was neither Russian nor German, but rather a posh accent that would throw you to sniffle around and think, what kind of European accent is this one? Mm-hmm. The problem I have is that as good as Julia Garner is with accents, I don't know if the filming of these sort of like intertwined with the filming of Ozark, but there were instances where I could hear a little bit, and she would correct it right away, but there were instances where I could hear a little bit of Ruth coming, 
in the way gotcha. she pronounces, she pronounced her eyes as, you know, okay. I thought as opposed to, you know, instead of I thought she would quickly say, ah, it would be like that, you know, St. Louis, <laughs> um, Kansas, weird twang accent yeah. that would like escape from time to time. And I don't know if anybody, if anybody, because I think she actually admitted to that at some point uh, in a conversation with, with Fallon, I believe. But when I read about it or when I heard about it, I, I thought this can't be, it can't be that bad. And I'm not saying it was bad, but if you pay attention to accents, it was noticeable enough. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I think she was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that she, as she gets older, you know, she's going to have, she's going to have a, a lot more experience under her belt. And, you know, I, I think that she's a fantastic actress and I think that, you know, we're probably looking at her generation's Meryl Streep. Yeah. Uh, cause she's, she's just really, really good. And, uh, if she continues working on the accent thing and improving, then it's just, She's gonna, she's gonna do well. She's an incredible performer more than anything else because, you know, she talks about her mother being a, a, a Jewish Russian immigrant, and you should see her. She said her mother actually <laughs> does a lot of accents just to fuck with people. <laughs> uh, that sounds like fun she tells the story of some uh, telemarketer that used to call and instead of her mother just ignoring the, her, the phone she would just pick up the phone and start making weird accents <laughs> like some Russian nanny like yes, yes, the patrons are not here they are not, oh the children oh, all dirty and stuff <laughs> it's an amazing thing <laughs> you know <laughs> Accents should be should should be th something that comes to her with with natural uh, abilities should be part of her natural abilities and I believe that to be, but of course as you said youth has a lot to do with it and of course it's 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 so hard to navigate in and out of accents especially even even as an actor. And uh, when she's been working on the Ozark series for so long, for so long, that's yeah. that's gonna like probably become her normal accent if she doesn't watch out. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Um, I do think though that Anna Klumsky deserves everything for this one. Anna Klumsky actually should get Golden Globes and Emmy for this. I agree. She was she was fantastic in this. And it's so sure. funny because when it started, I kept because Jeff was watching it with me. And I was uh I was like, who is this girl? Who is this girl? I know this girl. She's, it's, I know her. And he's like looking at me like, you know, I'm having a seizure, which I practically am. <laughs> but I, and then I looked it up and I was like, oh my God, it's my girl. And then he, then he was really confused. Like, it's Macaulay Culkin and where's his glasses? And anyway, so <laughs> anyway, I was very excited to, to see her. I haven't seen her act uh, very recently. I'm sure she's been in things that I just haven't seen, but yeah, I, I've was always, yeah, I, I've, I've always had a soft spot for her. So, but I thought she was great in this. Yeah, I really. Yeah, did. she was. She was. She was so good. She she was, uh, and like she can take a, a funny character, 
So you can take a serious character and make it funny and make you like it, you know, and and vice versa. So so here though, I think she was special. I don't I know agree. why, but the 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 the, on, the one thing that made me want to follow through and watch this entire series was her character. Um, mm-hmm. And as you said, it's an amalgamation of Jessica Pressler's character and a whole lot of other people, but but it is it is a beautiful thing. Yeah, um, I think she was a nice couple to Anders Holm, uh, who played Jack. Mm-hmm. They had they had they had this weird little chemistry that make you think that made you think that they were a real life couple. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. I loved it. I I fell in love with the world Scriberia. I enjoyed Scriberia very much. Scriberia, I love Scriberia. <laughs> when she first mentioned it, I immediately knew what she was referring to. But mm-hmm. when she described it to her boss, it's like, you put me in Scriberia. <laughs> and they were like, what the fuck is Scriberia? What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but it's such a perfect name. It's mm-hmm. such a perfect name because that's where you go to fucking die. <laughs> that's where careers go to die as a writer. And you, you could tell. I mean, these people were like really into the whole. They were at the, the pinnacle of investigative journalism. But we live in an ageist world, and uh, yep, again, and they- that's that's what happens. They didn't seem interested in playing office politics either. So. Yeah. 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 So. They were perfectly fine in the little corner. Like, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever, man. We won't even like y'all like that. Right. <laughs> and so <laughs> the dwellers of Scriberia were played by Jeff Perry as Lou and uh, Terry Kinney as Barry and Anna DeVere Smith as Maud. It's... It, it, it's a nice little trio. It really is. They, yeah. They're they they're a good a good little trinity <laughs> going on there. I, I I liked each of them for their their little quirks. Yes, they they were fun. I don't know what they were an amalgam of or or you know, anything or if it was just the writers having fun. But either way, they were they were an, a nice little highlight. It was it was beautiful to see. It made <laughs> it made the whole thing fun. Yeah. <laughs> so we have. Alexis Floyd played Neff. She is a funny thing, isn't she? <laughs> yes. Yes. Even when I... she's mad serious, you like, should I be scared or should I be laughing my ass off? <laughs> <laughs> and with people like that, I usually go with, I need to be scared. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Be like, oh, you're serious. Yeah, I'm not going to laugh. Because <laughs> that's going to make me even more dead in a more painful way. <laughs> This is where I actually want, like, I, I paused and I laughed when she had this encounter with uh, Rachel. And she said, go ahead and talk to me about a white woman owning a black woman again, because I really want to fix your face. <laughs> I'm like, fix your face. Fix your <laughs> face. This was funny, man. <laughs> it really uh, was. It was, it was, it was like. <laughs> <laughs> and she was great. When she was on screen, I wanted to see more of her, the yes. actress, Alexis Floyd. She was, I mean, the character was, was great, but the actress really, uh, 
she yeah. she made she made her. <laughs> yes, yes, she was she was she was insane, man. I was like, who is her? Who is she? So her career seems to just sprung out of two thousand seventeen and on. Like I I don't know that I've seen, I've been able to find anything else. She was on the bold type. Yeah, I, what I'm looking is I I haven't seen anything that she's been in. I don't believe. Yeah. Yeah. So. This is fantastic. I I hope to see more of her. Yeah. Laverne Cox was a refreshing character here as uh, Casey Duke. Agreed. She played this type of like fitness slash life coach, but really full of shit in terms of the whole universe thing. <laughs> Whenever people mention the universe more than twice in a conversation, I feel like getting up and, and get, getting the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> How about manifesting? How do you feel about that? Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm like, yeah, no, this is not for me. And uh, um, so I, I found her character interesting like that. Yeah. And plus I haven't I hadn't seen Laverne Cox in anything, too much of anything uh, since Orange is the New Black. So she was she was in Promising Young Woman and she was she is very, very, very good in that. Oh, right. That's very, a movie I haven't good. seen, actually. Yeah, uh, Promising Young Woman is excellent, and she's very good in it. Okay, sweet. Aryan Moyed played Todd Spodek. And uh, I think they left the best of him for the very end in terms of the way the story was, was, was written. But, boy, he was good. He, he was, was good. good as a lawyer. His character was had a weird type of integrity to it. Yeah. That was always on the verge of unethical, but pull, pulling back. Like, I don't want to cross those, uh, this threshold. And you yeah. could see the, the conflict that brought for, for him as, as a person, as a professional. He's a Iranian-born actor, uh, Iranian-American, and uh, these motherfuckers are good, man. <laughs> you know, he, he was he was he was fantastic. He was he was he really was. Um. Yeah, I mean, those to me were the the actors who jumped out. Really, um, what do you think of Rebecca Henderson as uh, ADA Catherine? Uh, McCall. I I, th I thought she was good. I um I did enjoy her little interaction with the attorney whose name just went out of my head, even though we were just talking about him. Sorry, but when he was trying to talk to her in the park with his daughter and and, <laughs> and oh, oh yes, and, and yes, she was like, "That's bull," and he was like, "Bull shorts, bull shorts, <laughs> little one here who remembers words and will repeat them." And, it repeats and, so, and then and then at the end when he told her to flake off, I, I just really. <laughs> I, I liked their chemistry. Like they had like a good rapport going on between them that I, I enjoyed. It was yeah. like they were they were kind of like adversarial but also friends and and <laughs> they made it seem real. I love the blue short part. Yes. That was funny. Like seriously, get a life. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, what do you think of uh, Katie Lowe's as Rachel? I don't. I don't really know what to think of her. To be honest, it was. I I couldn't sum up. I couldn't muster up much of a feeling towards her one way or the other. And I know that sounds terrible, but I just it just wasn't there for me. I mean, it was a character. It was a character, and obviously. If she made you feel that way about the character, then she was acting the fucking shit out of it, isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's very, very true. Very true. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I feel what you're saying, though. It, the character of Rachel is one that I couldn't muster, as you said, any feelings for her whatsoever. Like, oh, man, good. I felt fearful for her in Morocco, of course, mm -hmm. because, mm -hmm. you know, these motherfuckers were scary. Yes. And they weren't playing around. No. They weren't playing around. And, um, yeah, man, if you find yourself in North Africa, you can't just stiff people for money like that because no. <laughs> you probably ain't going to come back. No. <laughs> you no. know. That's, 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 and don't that's, give a fuck about you being American either. Like, no, you can scream about that all you want my, to. That's, that's going to get you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're American, triple price. Oh, yeah. Boom. Fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> all right. So that was dope, man. That was dope. Um, so here, this is the most popular thing on Netflix right now. We normally would pass on. We wouldn't even mention that shit because there's no need to be talking about any number one on Netflix shit when probably there's something better than that. And this is not by far the best drama on Netflix, but the reason we talked about it today is because it, it is a story that is so recent and there is something perversely heroic <laughs> about the whole thing. And I needed to say my piece in terms of why it happened and why it was possible to happen only in America. Yeah. But um, if you ask my opinion about the series, I don't know. I think if there was such a thing as giving a collective Best Support and Actor award, then give it to Jeff Perry, Hannah DeVere Smith, and Terry Kinney for the ensemble of Scriberia. <laughs> <laughs> the Trinity of Scriberia. The Trinity of Scriberia, <laughs> that's right. And Julia Garner was fantastic, but Anna Klumski was the one that sold me the entire story. So I agree. She she was great. Give everything to her. Yeah. <laughs> Simple as yeah. that. Um anything else, Jojo? No. I can't think of anything. Right. So we are going to call it a day for today. And before we do that, we wanted to invite you to follow us on the social media. Um, if you are on Twitter and you start misbehaving, I will tell you to fuck off. Much in the same way I told the Andrew Garfield, Garfield people to fuck off. But look, you can follow, uh, follow us on social media. Keep up with what we have to say. Also, you can find Jocelyn on Instagram as KNS co-host. Is that right, Jojo? That's me. KNS co-host. KNS, kicking in streaming. Kicking in streaming. You'll find me on Instagram and on Twitter 
as Mr. Putzetta, that's M-R-P-U-Z-Z-E-T-T-A. We'll be back next week with another one for y'all. But for now, we say goodbye. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Kicking and Streaming Podcast. If you've found value in our content, please subscribe and share. We would also be delighted to hear what you think of this podcast. So please rate us by writing a quick review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on all major social media platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. Join the conversation happening today on our Facebook group.